but how to live through a bad day. We're actually analyzing the seven last statements of Jesus when he was on the cross. Uh, last week, we heard our pastor speak on the first part uh, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Um, and we talked about this whole idea of forgiveness and how it kind of frees you when you forgive the next person. Um, have you ever been in a situation or a circumstance where uh, you have kind of helped some, somebody in your heart for a long time, but then once you forgave them, it's just kind of like, just like you've been released? Anybody has been there? And so we talked about that last week, and so this week we're following up with how to live through a bad uh, day part two, and we'll get there. The, the, the scripture that we're using uh, for this uh, sermon series um, is actually uh, up on your screen. We should see that come up in a second. Here it is. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 to 3. You don't have to turn to your, if you don't have a Bible or a phone. Uh, just follow along. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on who? On Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And I love this part because it said that we are not only supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who walked this earth as the perfect example of what any human being should be like, but he actually walked the same walk, same race that we're in currently. So it says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began, but he just not only began, but he also finished. It says, study how he did it. Now, you might be asking yourself, study how he, he did it. Where can I get this study material? Where should I go to study how he did it? And if you know anything about, you know, Christianity, you know that the Bible is the book that we go to as our manual, right? Whenever we want to figure out what's going on in our lives, that's what we turn to, the Bible, the Word of God. So it says, study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Now, we're all headed somewhere. Everybody in here, we're all headed somewhere. We're getting older. Hopefully, we're getting wiser. Hopefully, we're getting smarter. But we're all headed somewhere. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross. Who here has been hung on a cross before? Nobody. Shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, which is where we're all trying to go, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. The scripture for this particular sermon is Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. I'll read that for us, and then we'll move right into it. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at him meaning at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, and I love this part. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me 
in paradise. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you uh, for this moment in time, God. This is not a time, Lord, for my gifts or my talents to be on display, God, but that your glory will shine forth through this word. So we just ask right now that you just minister to our hearts, speak into our lives, and just keep us, Lord, as we go through each and every day. We thank you, we praise you, and we tell you thanks. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. amen. So, last week we talked about forgiveness. This week we're talking about helping others. So lesson number two, help others who are experiencing your same struggle. You're trying to get through a bad day? Help others who are going through the same struggle that you are going in. It sounds kind of counterintuitive because it doesn't make any sense that if you are going through some kind of struggle and you are having some kind of hardship that you will help somebody else, right? Because you yourself needs help. Does that make sense? That I need help, but I have to help somebody else? It doesn't seem to make any sense, but we'll get to it in a minute and it start to come together. Here's the first point. When helping others who are experiencing the same tro- uh, struggles, this is what it does. It distracts us from our own needs. Jesus was on the cross with these two thieves. They were all hung- hanging there, all bloody, all getting ready to die. As a matter of fact, Jesus was in a state where they shot a sword through his side and they crowned him with thorns. So it's probably hurting a little bit more than a thief. Well, if you're in pain, it's, it's probably not going to be a measure of, hey, how much is your pain versus my pain? It's kind of like, oh, we're all in pain. But I really love what Jesus does here because he is struggling, but he's also helping somebody else who's going through the same situation that he's going through right now. Like he needs somebody to help him to not bear this, cross that he's having to deal with right now. But here he is in a moment when he should be thinking about himself and the pain that he's feeling, that he's thinking about somebody else, thinking, how can I help the man that's right next to me that's going through the same thing that I'm going through? And sometimes in life, we can get so selfish, right? We're only concerned with our life, our family, our circumstance, and sometimes we don't think about the next person. But I encourage you, just like Jesus did here, when you help someone else, what it does is it takes your mind off of your own situation, your own problem, if even for a moment. I've been in certain circumstances where God would have me speak to someone, kind of giving them hope, in a situation that seems hopeless and it would be the very same situation that I'm going through. I'll be quoting Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And I myself feeling like, well, God, I kind of need some of that supply right now myself. But it's so interesting how God works that when you encourage others, it distracts you if only momentarily, from what you are feeling. 
But not only does it help the next person, but watch what it does. This is the next point. It helps us to see the solution. It helps us to see the solution. If you're taking notes, solution is the next word that you're looking for there. It helps us to see the solution. Typically, if you're in a business meeting or if you're, you know, just in an organization and you're having some kind of plans to, you know, say you're planning an event or something like that. Typically, you have everybody come together and everybody is brainstorming. You're throwing out ideas. The next person's throwing out ideas. You're saying something. They're saying something to the point where you all get to a point where you find a solution for a problem that you're trying to, you know, resolve. And sometimes when you're encouraging others about the same struggle, same situation that you are facing in that moment, not only are you helping them, but you get to the realization that whatever you're dealing with, that what you're telling them, that you, you, you weren't even thinking about it before, now the solution that you're offering them is the same solution that's going to help you. That you're telling them that God is a provider, but you before weren't really feeling like God was a provider, but now you're realizing that he really is. Now you're in some kind of sickness and you're encouraging someone who needs healing. Hey, God is a healer. He can heal your body. But then you're realizing, right, yes, that's right. God is a healer. He can heal my body too. So you get around to the point where you are finding not only a solution for the person that you're helping, but you're also finding a solution for yourself. But not only are you helping the next person, because sometimes you might be going through a situation where you're dealing with a circumstance and somebody comes up and their circumstance or their situation is worse than what you are actually going through. We got a video here that I'm going to play to put things in perspective for us a little bit. Here's the next point. It allows us to put everything in perspective. When we're helping others who are experiencing our same struggle, it helps us to put things in the, in the perspective. Now, if you were paying attention in the video here, uh, you would notice a few kids from third world countries. I personally am from Jamaica, a third world country. And certain luxuries that Everybody here, every single person here is afforded. It's not the same luxury that everybody else in the world has. I remember uh, when I first got to the States, and when I, so backtracking, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I was always in the athletics. 
actually, um, Pastor has said this a few times here too, um, got a scholarship to come to the United States, competed at the University of Michigan. But I remember the first day when we got to practice and they actually had a track. And I was like, are you kidding me? These are our facilities? Because where I'm from, every sport used the exact same field. It was dirt. It was dirt. There were times when you were running around the track and the cricket team was practicing and they're hitting balls and they have to be like, heads up! <laughs> or the soccer team, they're practicing taking shots and you have to be ducking balls. But then I came to the States and the track has its own facility. And the soccer team has its own facility. And the baseball team, I guess you guys play baseball instead of cricket here. <laughs> they have their own facility. And I'm like, wow. Luxury. But isn't it interesting sometimes that you're going through a situation and we heard our pastor pray for the kids that were in Florida. That sometimes you are, and even for some of us here who are parents, you know, we might be having a kid who is problematic, giving trouble at school, don't want to listen to you. But I know none of us here would want to be in a situation like those parents from that high school in Florida where your child is not coming home anymore. How many of you here would want that problem? But then you go back and look at your kid and you're grateful, right? That they're there, bad and all. Me and my wife, we have a 14-month-old and he climbs on everything. (laughs) He pulls out everything. We're sitting there and we're watching a movie and we're getting to a very exciting part and we're like, yes, I wonder what's going to happen. Click. (laughs) The plug is pulled out of the wall. First world problems. I hate it when my son pulls out my plug and I can't get to finish my Netflix movie. And some people are like, oh, I wish I could watch a movie. Or I wish I even had a TV. Not to mention Netflix. So when you're going through a bad day, still be grateful, still be thankful to God because it could be worse. It could be worse. I'm telling you, it could be worse. Where I grew up, a lot of kids, they live in zinc houses. And whenever it's hurricane season, Either their houses are washed away on a mudslide because they're living on a slope, or the wood is falling apart that's keeping their home together, or there are six kids sleeping in one bed. I didn't grow up like this, but my parents, my mom, there were nine of them, and they all slept in the same room. I grew up with my own room. But sometimes... We can't get to that point because, you know, we're just so, you know, one-dimensional. We're only focusing on what's going on in front of us. But the Bible says that in every single thing, in all things, we should give thanks. We should give thanks. 
I remember uh, growing up, my mom would not allow us to play the victim card at all. No matter how hard it got, no matter how bad it was. I, I wasn't a, a, a fan of oatmeal. I didn't like it at all. I still don't. My wife loves it, not me. Just not for me, right? And I remember my mom used to put oatmeal in front of us for breakfast because it was going to make me strong and healthy. Those were the words that were used. I wasn't convinced. All I knew was it didn't taste right. I didn't like the texture. But my mom, she always said in a serious voice, you're lucky. That was her thing. You're lucky. Because there are other kids out there who would kill for a spoon of your oatmeal. And even though we weren't rich or anything like that, she would say, you're living in luxury. And when she put things in perspective like that, it made me think, even as a kid, how ungrateful I am. Here I am thinking that my day is bad because I'm getting presented with oatmeal. When I want steak and eggs for breakfast. <laughs> my, my, my dad always tells a story as well. It's about this guy. He was sitting, he sit, he was sitting in a tree eating a banana. Uh, he was done with the banana. He was still hungry. So he threw the banana peel on the floor, thinking to himself, I need to find something to eat because I'm so hungry. And while he was there thinking, another guy came along, saw the banana peel, picked it up, and started to eat it. Then he realized to himself that his day, his struggle, his circumstance wasn't as bad as he thought it was. Because here comes someone along the way. And, and, and don't get me wrong, your circumstance and your struggle, it's hard. Yes, we all have to face our, our, our level of difficulties in life. But when we put things into perspective and we're trying to get through a bad day, we still have to give thanks because it could be worse. Everybody in here has limbs, from what I can see. All your limbs. You can all see me. You can all hear me. There's somebody out there who's deaf, blind, have an amputee leg, can't speak. So just looking at that, it makes your day a little bit better. At least I hope it does. Isaiah 58, 10 to 11, it says, If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. Now we've talked about when we help others, what it does for us. Next point or next part that I want to talk about is how do we actually help others? Here's a scripture that we're reading from, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3-7. to This is from the message version. It says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. 
He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from the following, from, from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand, an encouraging word, that also works to your benefit, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. When we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it, no doubt about it. I love that last part. When we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it, no doubt about it. It was Paul who said, I know what it's like to have, and I know what it's like to not have. But throughout all of this, one thing that I've learned is being content with what I do have. We're trying to get through how to live, how to live through a bad day, but we're offering help to others. Here's how we offer help. First thing, we offer them stability. Luke 23, 43. Assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking to the thief on the cross, offering support. That word assuredly there, what does that mean? It almost sounds like Jesus is guaranteeing this thief on the cross. Assuredly, I tell you, assuredly, I tell you. He's offering him support. Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. This is Jesus offering support in our life. There was a time for many of us we were dead in our sins and There was no hope. We had no direction. But here comes Jesus along the way to offer support. And he says, I'm taking you out of this mire, out of this slimy pit. And I'm putting you on the rock. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no other foundation that you can stand on that is as solid as Jesus Christ. If you are looking for support, the best uh, uh, stability that you can have is Jesus Christ. There's no other rock, there's no other foundation that you can rest your life on for that stability. Back in the day, I'm not that old, but I'm just saying back in the day just because it was a few years ago. (laughs) Well, back in the day, athletes, guy athletes, they used to say, you can't get better support than you can get from a jockstrap. And some of you are giggling because you know what a jockstrap is. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, Google it. I'm not about to explain that from the pulpit. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you this morning that you can't get better stability 
from anything else, not even from a jockstrap, than Jesus. <laughs> Jesus or a jockstrap, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the second point. When we're helping others, we're going to offer them support. We're going to offer them support. Luke 23, 43, Jesus says, Today you will be with me. So sometimes, you know, we're trying to help others. Um, and we say, I'll pray for you or good luck with that, which is a term that I learned since I came to the States. Good luck with that. <laughs> I hear it all the time. But sometimes people need support. You know, sometimes someone might come to you and they're like, hey, you know what? I don't really have anything to eat today. If you have food, give them something to eat. Because sometimes you never know when it will be your turn that you will need support. It might be good today, it might be good now, but it might not be good always. I've lived, I'm not you know, old, I've lived long enough to see great men and women rise and fall and people who are down low rise up and fall again. There's none of us in here who is invincible. No matter where you are in life today, no matter what job you have, no matter what your relationship, no matter your income, I'm here to just tell you the harsh truth that it might not always be like that. I've seen people been in situations where they lose every single thing in one day. House burnt down, lost everything, lost it all. None of us is in, in, invincible. That's why we need the support of others. We need the support of God to get through our bad days and our bad weeks and our bad months and our bad years and even our bad lives. Depends on our perspective. And we have so many things in life that will offer us the stability that we're looking for and the support that we're looking for. But all those things might not be long-lasting. But there's one thing for us as believers that we can give that will last forever. Here's the third point. Offer them salvation. I'm going to call a worship team back as we close out. Offer them salvation. In the story of the, thief on the, the thieves on the cross, Jesus was hanging there. And this story really marvels me because, you know, this thief who was all trusting and all believing in Jesus Christ, he met him at a point where he didn't look like a king. He didn't look like he could offer him anything. He didn't look like he was the savior of the world. He was hanging there with a crown of thorns on his head. He was bleeding. He looked helpless. He himself needed help. But he was offering help at a point where he himself was struggling. And he painted this picture. Here's what the last part of Luke 23, 43 said. After he said, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me. This is what he said. You will be with me in paradise. And it's so interesting because as I was reading the text, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, there must be something that 
You know, Jesus understands about the human mind. I'm like, duh, he wasn't human. That in a point where you're struggling, in a moment where you're having a bad time, a bad day, or even feeling like you're having a bad life, that you can think ahead. In your mind, you can go to a place of paradise. So not only in my understanding was Jesus telling him like, hey, there's a place in heaven for you where it's all paradise. But even in that moment where he was hanging on the cross and he was struggling alongside Jesus, that Jesus was helping him not only to be distracted from his current pain, but not only to be absent from where he was presently, but taking him to a place mentally where his mind was not on what was going on in that present moment. I could just see Jesus, and this is how I imagine it. And if you have an imagination like me, you probably imagine it this way too. When Jesus said, hey, you'll be in paradise. This day, you'll be in paradise. I think Jesus, in his mind, or if I was a thief, I would be like thinking, I can see myself on a beach somewhere, with a tropical smoothie mango preferably because that's my favorite with a sand between my toes getting a tan for some of you not me but but could it be that in this moment Jesus was trying to help this guy who was struggling who was in a circumstance where he should lose his mind and he should be down and out feeling defeated going through a bad day to think ahead to a point or a place in paradise where mentally at least for a moment he's removed from the pain and the suffering that he was experiencing could it be And so for us today, there are things in our life that may offer us stability, they may offer us support, but those things, they won't last always. But the one thing that would last is the good old salvation. The good old salvation that only Jesus offers. Won't you stand with me this morning? I'm here to encourage you that even though you might be struggling, having a bad day, having a bad week, having a bad month, having a bad life, that if you have this good salvation that Christ offers, that you'll be able to get through a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, even a bad life. You might be at a point in your life where you're struggling. You don't feel like you have the stability that you need. You don't feel like you have the support that you need. But I'm here to tell you that if you find Jesus, you'll find out that he is more than what you're looking for. Give you 
that support. He'll give you that stability. But not only that, but he offers salvation. That even when everything here has passed and gone, and your body is moved from this physical, from this mortal to immortality, that the salvation that you've gotten here is what's going to take you to paradise. I can just see it now. Walking those streets of gold. As a matter of fact, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And he was, and he was, he was, he was almost saying, I wouldn't lie to you. If it were not so, I would not have told you. There are many mansions. So we build mansions on earth and we are so amazed. Wow, look at that house. If you're like me, you like to watch HGTV and you're like, wow, look what they did to that house. Look at that island. Look at that room. Look how they transformed it. Look how Life Church transformed that lobby. It's awesome. But none of this here is compared to what you will experience in paradise. And only salvation can get you there. But the good news is that these things that we are building here, we have to pay for, but salvation is free. It's free. All you have to do is surrender your life to Christ. He's not asking you to jump through hoops and do all kinds of crazy things. He's giving you hope that in times when you're hopeless, you can find hope. When you lost your stability, you can find stability in Him. When you've lost support from others and things, that He will support you. As a matter of fact, Bible says when your mother and your father, people who are supposed to be there forsake you. Jesus Christ, God Himself, will be there for us. Let's bow our heads. If you haven't received Christ this morning, I just want to give you this invitation to come to Him. If you haven't prayed a prayer of salvation, of repentance, why don't you pray with me this morning? Say, Lord Jesus. I do recognize that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I thank you that your grace, that your salvation is free. I can't do anything to earn it. I can't pay for it. I can't do anything to win your salvation but I thank you that through your son Jesus and through his sacrifice for me it is free I accept your salvation today I pray to live with you in paradise forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a prayer request this morning, 